Welcome to A Legacy of Preaching with Dr. Bill Burr. For one to have a legacy of faithful preaching, they must love God, love God's truth, and love to preach His truth. Dr. Bill Burr excelled in all of these areas, and he has certainly left us all a legacy of faithful preaching. Now, let's all tune in for this great message from God's Word with Dr. Bill Burr. And I'm sure to this church also, and uh, you ought to tell her every now and then. Let her know how much you appreciate her, because I'm telling you something, friend. You listen to this pastor. Uh, a lot of churches, especially churches our size. Now, when you get up five, six, seven hundred in attendance, a lot of times you have uh, people who can play the instruments and so forth. But a church that runs what we do, 125 to 130 or 40 in there, uh, we're very fortunate to have a pianist that plays as well as Mrs. Byrne. I appreciate her. And by the way, I just wonder, it, it wouldn't take a lot of time to do it, how many of you think you might like to have some music like that on a tape just to listen to around your house? Would you like that? All right. Everybody's hands up, Miss Burry. Isn't that wonderful? All right. I tell you what, we'll, um, we'll make up just an instrumental tape, no singing or anything on it. And uh, we may get Mrs. Easler to put a little organ music with it also. And uh, maybe Billy put a little bass in, this sort of thing. Need one over here, Brother Gene. If you will, I think uh, Lewis needs one over there. And then just put the other ones in the pew there somewhere. It'll be all right. All right, we'll make you a tape and uh, have it ready for you soon. And uh, I think, Brother Lloyd, you ought to come and cut the air conditioning unit uh, off. Just cut it up to about 72 and it'll go off, Okay. And that way, if it gets scorching hot, it'll come back on at least. But uh, put it up about 72. All right, let me just, you just remain seated tonight, and I'll read the scripture for you. And uh, Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I was writing today and just thinking about this psalm and about the Lord being my shepherd and uh, I was listening to Brother Howells preach, and he was preaching a sermon to, from way back in December on no room uh, for Jesus. And I listened to him, and you remember Billy Kelly talking about the car just got so full with God that he had to almost get out of it. Well, I was up here this morning in front of Kroger's store about 7.30 or quarter to 8, and uh, just sitting there in the parking lot, and fixing to go in and get a ham to fit, uh, prepare to take over to Miss Shelton. And brother, I'm telling you, my car just got filled up with God. And I got to cry just thinking about the fact the Lord is my shepherd. I'm talking about Jehovah, the one that made all of the things about us and made us tonight. He's my shepherd. And then it says, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the stilled waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff. Now, I want you to underline this part, this portion tonight, because this is what the message is going to be on tonight, the rod and the staff. 
For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, I want to share this with you. I said one night, I didn't like to go back. Uh, you have the outlines and the messages have already been given to you. And so we don't need to go back and do a lot of recapitulating tonight and, and preach those messages over again. I'll just simply say this, that we've talked about the shepherdhood of the shepherd. We've talked about uh, the life of the shepherd. Last week we talked about the spirit of the shepherd. And now uh, tonight we're going to uh, consider the, the shepherd's instruments, the, the, the equipment, the supplies that he is using. Now, next week we'll introduce ourselves to uh, some of the other instruments that the shepherd had as he kept this flock of sheep. Uh, we'll, we'll learn about the flute that David uh, played, and uh, this was a part of the shepherd's attire and what he took with him. Uh, when he was alone out there with the sheep. And then the script, uh, we'll learn about the bottle of oil that he had with him, the sling, the lamp, the coat, and all of the supplies and equipment that the shepherd has. Now, if you read your Bible and study your Bible long, uh, uh, very much you'll find out that these things are mentioned all the way through the Bible. Many of these things God gives uh, reference to. Now, the first two that we are going to mention are the two that are found in the 23rd Psalm, and that, of course, is the rod and the staff of the shepherd. Now, the shepherd, he, he definitely could not get along without these two things. If, if he's going to be a shepherd and he was going to tend to the sheep, he had to have a rod and a staff. Let's begin tonight with the rod of the shepherd. In verse uh, number 4, it says that uh, for thou art with me thy rod and thy staff, they uh, comfort me. Now, it's important that we know exactly what this rod looked like. Now, I always had pictured in my mind, just uh, I had really in my mind, I had the staff and the rod as one instrument. I really did. I thought sometimes it was referred to as a rod. I thought sometimes it was referred to as a staff. But they're two separate uh, uh, instruments that the shepherd has with him. Now, we're going to find out. Zechariah gives a good picture of this, and we'll take that up in just a little bit. But these symbolize certain things. But first of all, let's find out what it what it looked like. This the rod is a is a shepherd's club. Now, I don't know whether this is the same kind of sapling that I knew anything about when I was growing up. But when I a sapling to me is just a a, a young tree. And uh, I know when I was a boy, I didn't weigh as much as I do now, Bernie. And we used to take those saplings in South Carolina, and we'd bend them over. I mean, we'd bend them all the way to the ground. Get two or three fellas. And we'd work them down to the ground, and then one get right into the top of that thing. And when we let it go, he'd it take him way up into the air. Well, that's what we call the sapling. But now, a sapling that I'm talking about tonight is just a, a a young tree. And the shepherd boy 
he went out. When he became of age to go out and tend to the sheep, he'd go out and find him a sapling to make his club out of. Now, he found one. Of course, it had to be the right size for him. You wouldn't want uh, to pick out a tree that you couldn't handle, so he'd pick out a sapling that was the right size and the right uh, weight for him, and then he'd cut, uh, he'd cut off the roots of this. He'd pull it out of the ground and then cut the roots off and leave just that that big knob at the base of this, and being a small tree, I suppose probably uh, a club could have been anywhere from a fist to, uh, to two fists in size. And then the shepherd would uh, take this and strip it of its bark, and he'd begin to shave and whittle away at this uh, uh, rod or club that was his until he got it right down to, to what he could use in his hand and felt comfortable to him. Well, I walked in Billy's room one night and uh, he had a club in there that he had put, listen, he put tape around that thing, black tape. And uh, why you'd have thought he was going to murder somebody. I said, son, what is that? He said, somebody might break in the house, you know, and I'd want to take care of him. But that, um, <laughs> he doesn't need that. Listen, we, he's not a shepherd boy. I, I hope he hadn't got it anymore. I, I hate for him to turn on me with it, but he, uh, he had a club all prepared and this shepherd would prepare his club. And then in the end of it, right down there where the, the knot or the knob was on the end of it, he'd take pieces of metal and stone and drive it into there. And, uh, this would make it heavy on the end. And uh, this this would uh, uh, get add weight to it. Now this this uh, this club it was it was used to protect him. I mean it was a weapon. It it was something that they didn't have guns. We'll get into this. They they didn't have guns uh, in that day, and so he just had a rod, a club in his hand, and this is what he used to protect his sheep. Now he practiced with it. He practiced throwing it. He practiced handling it. And uh, he, he became uh, uh, very uh, proficient in using this club as, as defense and uh, as discipline, we'll find out later, for the sheep. So um, that's the way the club was made, and now you have a pretty good picture in your hand. Uh, you say, how long was it? I don't know. The Bible doesn't say, and uh, there's no reference to it except when you read and study what uh, secular history has to say about it and what other men have said about it but it was made whatever length, uh, length was suitable to the young man and something that he could handle, something that fit his size and so forth, his strength. And then he practiced and he was, became proficient in using this rod to protect himself. Now, there are several uses for the rod and, and uh, I think you'll find them listed there in your outline tonight, but it was used as an instrument of warfare. It was used to protect himself and also to protect his sheep. Now, I've already said they didn't have guns with bullets and so forth that you could uh, stand back and fire these, so he had a rod. And this rod was used to take care of any wild animal that might come upon him or upon the sheep. If it was a wolf, if it was a, a bear, if it had been a tiger or some wild cat or something like that that came out uh, of the bushes to get one of his sheep, then he could take this and uh, he could either uh, go up to the animal and take it with his hand and, and slay the animal in that fashion or they were so good, they tell me, that they could stand back, Brother Frank, and throw that rod and actually miss the sheep 
and hit the animal that was attacking the sheep. So it was a weapon of warfare that he could protect against wild animals. And then, of course, many times, I suppose, there were robbers. There were thieves that were out to take his sheep, to steal them, and to appropriate them to their own use. Now, uh, we used to have cattle rustlers in this country. They tell me they still do, but it's a little bit different now. They just go out and kill the animal and take the hind quarter and leave the rest of it in the field. They just get what they want to eat and leave it. Well, they would go out in those days and take the sheep and, uh, and use them. They'd either eat them or sell them, whatever. And the shepherd had this to protect himself. It was an instrument of warfare. There was an instrument of clearance. A lot of times when they were moving the sheep, you say, Brother Bill, how you know so much? Well, I read. I read. I try to learn about these things. And now uh, they, they tell me that when he was moving the sheep in the, in the heat of the day, that a lot of times the, the sheep couldn't take the, the hot sun. That's why they would go off many times in, in, in the cleft of the rock or somewhere and lay down in the shade in the heat of the day. But um, the sun would get to them, and uh, he couldn't take them around on the side where the sun was, so sometimes he had to go through uh, valleys where there was underbrush and where there was uh, briars and thorns and so forth. And, and these sheep, uh, he'd use it to clear the way for the sheep. He'd go through it and beat the briars and the thorns out of the way, so this is another use that he had for the rod. And then Ezekiel 30 uh, 20 and verse 37. Turn there, if you will, in your Bible, unless you have it written out on your uh, outline. Did Ms. Burr write it out for you? She didn't do that, did she? She wrote it out for me up here. It says, I will cause you to pass under the rod, and I will bring you into the bond of the covenant. Now, this is talking about Israel. This has reference to uh, the the shepherd and his sheep when at night they'd go in and uh, each one had to pass under the rod it was uh, it was used for discipline or for uh, chastisement uh, 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 for the for the sheep but in this instance here in Ezekiel it's talking about Israel and has reference to the uh, tribulation time you remember when we were talking about prophecy and I use this verse. I'll declare there's that rabbit. He jumped about that time, but he was sitting right there at that door. If I had a club, I guess I could get him tonight, but uh, I don't know why I said that. Listen, now, your mind just plays things on you sometimes. I looked up and saw him, and I thought everybody could get a look, and then he run off about that time. Well, we're told in the Bible that the rod is for him who has no wisdom. It is for uh, the backside of a person who is rebellious, it's to teach him, it's to instruct him. Now, when Israel one day, God, God hadn't cast off his children. I mean, listen, there's going to come a time when he'll begin to deal with Israel again, and that's what the reference in Ezekiel has to do with. It says he'll cause them to pass under the rod, and that's under the rod of judgment, and that'll take place during the great tribulation time here on this earth, referred to in the Bible as Jacob's trouble. Now, Sheep are very rebellious. They, they just wouldn't mind. Now, the rod was what this shepherd would take out, and uh, if, if an old ewe would get to grazing somewhere and forget about her lamb, before you know it, the little lamb just sort of wander off somewhere. And he'd have to go out and get the lamb, and then he'd have to take that rod over and whack it across that ewe sheep and, and get her back into the fold. Now, sometimes you come across one that just wouldn't pay attention. 
I mean, just rebellious. You know, it's a lot like people, isn't that right? I mean, God deals with them sometimes, and, and, and they just will not pay attention to God. I've been like that, and I can't point a finger at you because there's been times in my life, bless your heart, when, when sin was enticing to me, and, and I saw the bright lights and so forth, and I, I went in that direction, and, and uh, God had to take that rod out, Brother Frank. He'd have to go over there and, and tap me, and then I'd come back, and before you know it, I'd, I'd be wanted off somewhere else over here in the wrong direction, I, and he'd have to come over with the rod again. Now, after a while, after a while, if he wouldn't pay attention to the shepherd, now this sounds hard, and some of these little boys and little girls, they may not understand this, but that shepherd would take that sheep or that lamb, usually a lamb, and he'd take its leg and just, just hold it up and take that rod and just break the leg of that sheep or that lamb. And then he'd bind it up. He'd get down and he'd bind it up. And if it was a lamb, he'd have to take it up in his bosom and walk with it and, and nurse it back to health. And then the sheep would just walk along beside him. If it was sheep, he couldn't carry him. Sometimes put him across his shoulder. But this was teaching that uh, sheep to be obedient to the shepherd. Now, there are some, and you, uh, Zechariah refers to them as the, the flock of slaughter. Now, this is a flock that uh, is going to be done away with. They're going to be sold. They're going to be killed. They're going to be eaten. Now, if you had one that just wouldn't obey, and you broke his leg, you bound it up, you did all that you could, and still he just wouldn't obey, then he'd be taken out and killed. Now, does that ring a bell? Huh? That's the way God deals with his children. Now, that's hard for people to understand. But God chastises with the rod, and uh, God tenderly woos people to himself. But if they keep going and going and going and rebelling and rebelling and rebelling and doing wrong and wrong and wrong, and uh, they just don't seem to listen to what the shepherd has to say, then bless your heart, he'll take them home. That's right. He'll take their life. Now, not their soul won't be lost, but he'll take their life and he'll take them home. Now, the rod was also for discipline. Now, the Bible talks about, uh, it says, He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him uh, chasteneth him uh, betimes or many times. Now, uh, it is spoken of as an instrument of chastisement for children. Now, I haven't had to use a rod on my children in quite some time. I mean that, and I thank the Lord for it. But bless your heart, I did. When, when they was coming along, I had to use it. I heard Dr. Howells talking about his mother. And he said back in those days, and I remember it, used to wear short breeches. That's right. Couldn't wear long breeches till you got a certain age. You wore short breeches. Then knickers come out. You remember those knickers? And uh, uh, people used to wear knickers. Mama, uh, he talked about his mama going out in that old peach tree. Now, he said it never bore its peach. It never had a peach on it. Didn't ever have enough limbs, he said, to have, have a peach. But uh, she'd go out and break those switches, and she'd just tear his little legs up. Now, that's what the Bible has reference to when it says that you uh, are supposed to put the rod to to your son and this means that you let if you let your children just go on and do anything they want to then you don't care about it you don't care about it Danny let me ask you something does your mama ever spank you huh does she 
Donnie, your mom ever spank you? Sometimes. Darren, she don't spank you. Do. She does? Well, I didn't think anybody would ever whip you. But now, why do you think she spanks you? Huh? You think it's because she loves you? <laughs> I didn't think so either. Son, my daddy, listen, my daddy's told me that many a time, and I shook my head the same way. He'd say, son, it hurts me more than it does you. And I couldn't understand that, but I'll tell you this. She spanks you, and she disciplines you, and she makes you do right because she loves you, and your dad loves you, and that's the reason for it. So it was, uh, it was for discipline of the sheep. Now, if Brother Bill doesn't hurry, I'm not going to get through. It's also an instrument to examine and to number the sheep. Now, as the sheep would come in every night, they would be made to pass under the rod. Now, uh, this means that uh, he would use this rod to search for anything that was wrong for the sheep. Now, wool, they tell me that the wool on the back of the sheep is, uh, is hard to get apart. I mean, it's just, it's real tight on his back. And they took one end of this rod and they were able to look down underneath. They, they'd break it across the back and look at, the, look at these sheep when they come in. Um, there's a disease in that part of the country called the scab. And uh, uh, you can't see it. It's on the skin underneath the wool. And so the, the, the shepherd would use this rod, one end of it, to pull the wool back and to look for it. Now, I didn't know this. You ever hear the expression, you can't pull the, the wool over his eyes? They tell me that's where this come from. You can't pull the wool over, the, over his eyes. I mean, he just looks up underneath it and finds out what's going on. Now, the Lord examines us in the same way. I mean, listen, we've got things um, that a lot of us right here tonight, I suppose, that we, we have hidden sins. I mean, I don't want to bear my heart to you people tonight. I really don't. And uh, I don't know of anything that I've got tucked away uh, right now, but there's been periods of time in my life when I'd have things that I just didn't want to confess. I didn't want to get right. I'd tuck them away somewhere. But you know, God knows about them. You can't hide it from God. I mean, listen, he, he can look right down underneath all the wool, all the exterior, and look right down inside of you. The Bible says, search me, O God. Now, this is in Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Now, we need to stay in the presence of God. Amen. When you pray, you ought to pray and say, Dear God, examine me. I mean, search my heart. Search my whole uh, soul and, and point out things to me and help me to confess things. You know what? Uh, confession is just being honest with God. Amen. That's what it is. Uh, confession is just calling sin by its name and confessing it. I've heard people pray before, honestly. You've been guilty of this, and I have too. We come sometimes and we say, Lord, if we've done anything, Lord, forgive us for it. I heard about a preacher one time. A fellow came down the front of the church, and he got down to pray, and he said, Lord, if we've done anything, the preacher comes up and says, wait a minute. Wait a minute, don't involve me in your sin. I didn't have anything to do with it. We didn't commit that sin. You just confess it to God. And that's what it is, just being honest with God and confession of sin. And then it was for numbering the sheep. 
I mean, if there wasn't one there, he'd know about it. There's a lot that aren't here tonight. And uh, that worries me. Do you ever worry about people that aren't here? Do you? I mean, honestly, I, it worries me. I, I'm concerned about them. I, I wonder what they're doing tonight. I wonder where they are, you know, and then what's transpiring in their lives. And I, I wonder what was so important tonight that kept them away from the house of God. Well, I don't know what it was, but I worry over it and I wonder about it. Now, uh, the rod was a symbol also. Uh, the Bible says in Hebrews 1.8, it says, But unto the Son, he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of thy kingdom. So it was a scepter to rule. It, it symbolized authority and power. It stands for the, uh, the authority and the power of the word of God. Now, in Moses' time, he used a rod and it represented the authority and the power of God. God's word today used in the same way as a shepherd's rod. It, uh, it's to clear a pathway for our life. Listen, you can't live for God without this book. There's no way. I mean, listen, I, I've been saying that for years, but if you, if you don't have this book and you don't read this book and you don't study this book and this book doesn't feed your soul, you know what's going to happen to you before you know it you're going to be straying away from God. You're going to be getting away from God. You'll be going off into sin and, and things that you think in your mind will become a reality if you don't stay in this book. So like the rod the shepherd uses to clear the way, God clears it with this book right here, the Word of God. And then I want you to know uh, this also. It's, it's the same as the shepherd rod. The Word of God examines us. It searches us out. How many times? Have I been reading the Word of God and I'd come to a portion of Scripture and God, the Holy Ghost, would just condemn me in my heart and say, Hey, buddy, you're guilty of that. This is just like a looking glass. I mean, listen, you, you look in this old book and bless your heart, you'll see things there and God will reveal those things to you and you'll say, Well, you know what? What these men were guilty of, I'm guilty of it also. And then also, just like the rod, the word of God is to protect against the enemy. Listen, what did Jesus use when Satan came to him and, and tempted him three times? What did he use? Scriptures. He used the rod of God's word to turn back that old roaring lion, the old devil. Now, we the only way we'll ever... Uh, uh, stand against the wiles of the devil is with the book, the word of God. So the rod. Now we come to the staff. Now, uh, it's questionable if there's any other instrument that can define the shepherd better or represent the shepherd better than the staff. You always think uh, of a shepherd with his staff. Now, when uh, uh, Miss Gerlach's getting these fellas ready uh, for... Uh, the Christmas play many times, they'll search around and they'll find walking sticks. huh? And they, these will be the, the staff of the shepherd, the crook of the shepherd. Now, let's, uh, let's go back now and identify this crook, uh, the staff. Uh, he makes this in the same way as he makes a rod. He goes out, finds a sapling tree. But this time, instead of pulling it up and cutting it off beneath 
that knot. He cuts it off above that. And then he trims it down until it becomes the right size to fit in his hand and the right length for him and the right weight for him. And um, then after he takes all the bark away and shaves it down, trims it down like he wants it, I don't know, but I suppose that he soaks it in some kind of water and he bends this and makes a crook in one end. Now, I had a man that made me a walking stick out of... Um, a dogwood root. He, did, he dug a dogwood root up, and I've still got the walking stick in my house. But that's the way he did it, and that's the only way I can think of that the shepherd could do his would be to soak it in some kind of solution, water or whatever, until he was able to bend it. And then I suppose that he would wrap it around uh, 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 another tree or limb or something in order to get that crook the right size and then after he did that, he would force it to remain in that position until it dried. Now, after it dries, it won't jump back. And then he can put it behind the, um, the heat in the house or hang it out in the sun or somewhere and let it, let it become hardened, let it begin uh, just fully ripened, and it, it'll become very hard. And this is the way he made what is called a staff. Now, everybody has a picture of this in their mind. Because we've always, all of us have seen pictures standing around somewhere of a shepherd with his staff in his hand and it has a crook on one end. Now, have you ever wondered why it had the crook on the end? I began to study and one of the uses is that it is to draw. I mean by this, if a, if a sheep gets off somewhere and the shepherd wants him to come back, he, he doesn't have to go out there and get him. He just reaches out with that uh, staff and gets him around the neck, around the hind leg or something, and just pulls him right back towards him. Now, now, sheep get away. They scatter easily, so a shepherd needs this all the time to keep them together. Now, turn to Zechariah chapter number 11 and verse number 7. And the latter part of the verse says this, that's Zechariah chapter 11, and verse number 7. It says, And I took unto me two staves, the one I called beauty, and the other I called bands, and I fed the flock. Now underline that, and you may have out in the margin of your Bible the meaning of those two words, beauty and bands. Beauty means graciousness. Band means binders. That's what it means. Uh, uh, beauty refers to the, uh, the, the rod and the staff is referred to as a binder. Now, John 1.17 says, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Now, man is just as dumb as a sheep. Have you found your place? Have you found your place? Write those two words down. Just as, as guilty, all of them have gone astray. Man's gone astray just like sheep have. We've all wandered off. And, uh, and then God has to come along and he uses uh, this rod and this staff and he deals with us in graciousness and then he just sort of binds us together. He draws us back into the fold. 
Now, these are the instruments of, of the shepherd. The staff is, uh, is used to, to draw, and the, the rod is used to, to chasten. It's, uh, it's used uh, uh, to, for judgment. It's used for warfare. And through these two instruments here, God draws us together and binds us together in one family. Isn't it good tonight to know that we're brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ? That's amazing to me. I thank God that I found this verse in Zechariah chapter number 11. Now, the staff was also used to not only to draw, but it was used to guide the sheep. It was used also to free the sheep from entanglement. Sometimes they'd get wrapped up uh, underneath uh, some briars or something like that. Maybe a log would fall over, tree limb or something, and the shepherd would re just reach back up under there with his uh, staff, and he was able to free them. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Amen. Thank God that when we get away from God, he comes along, Brother Jerry, and frees us from the entanglements of the world. Now, you say, well, what does it symbolize? You remember we said in the beginning that the rod and the staff was a stay and a comfort. The Bible says, thy rod and thy staff, they, they comfort me. Now, the word comfort, you want, might want to write this down in your Bible. The word comfort means helper. Now, uh, it means a stay and a support. Have you ever thought about this? The name of the Holy Spirit is the comforter. Isn't that right? He's our comforter. He's our helper. He's the one that goes along beside us. I mean, listen, the staff exactly fits the Holy Spirit. He's the one that puts us together in unity. He's the one um, that carries us in fellowship with one another. He's the one uh, that binds us together. So he gives us a unity of spirit together. Now, listen to this. Woe unto that man that goes into a flock and tries to separate and sow discord among those sheep and scatter them. Now, I've seen it happen, friend. I, I've been pastoring long enough to know that trouble for the flock of God comes many times when the wolves come in in sheep's clothing and they come inside of us and they, they, they become one of us in name and then they go around behind and they whisper and they say things that are discouraging and things that hurt and things that will destroy. Now, I want to tell you something. I know I could name men. I could name some men in this town right now. And I've only been here six years. But I can name some that have lost their businesses over things like this. I can name some who I believe have gone to an early grave because of some of these things. I'm saying to you, it's the Holy Ghost that binds us together. It's the Holy Ghost that gives us this unity and this spirit of being in one accord. Now, He guides the child of God. He'll guide you into the Word of God. Now, I've had folk come to me and say, Hey, preacher, that's hard for me to understand that verse right there. Well, listen, you know what you do? Pray and ask God to help you. Pray and ask God to help you. Confusion comes about when people don't depend on the Holy Spirit to interpret 
the Word of God. That's why you have some who are hyper-Calvinist. That's why you have some who are Arminian in belief. You have some on both ends of the spectrum, you know. I mean, you got some over here that say, well, there's no need in soul winning. There's no need in doing anything. If you're saved, you're going to go to heaven. If you're lost, you're going to go to hell. And God determines it, and there's nothing you can do about it. And then on the other end out here, you've got a group out here that says, well, it all depends on what you do. You can get saved today, and you can get lost tomorrow, and you can get saved the next day and lost the next week, and you can be up and down and in and out and on and off. Be like a fellow said, I've been a Christian on and off for about 20 years. Well, now, it's, it's not like that. Listen, when the Spirit of God leads you and guides you and directs you, you'll be what is called a sovereigntist. You will believe in the sovereignty of God. You'll believe that He rules and reigns in the affairs of mankind here on this earth. And you'll, you'll know and understand that God designed the plan of salvation. And God gave His Son to die for us. And you'll know and understand that God draws men to Himself. And you'll know and understand that man has a responsibility to believe what God has for him. And so I'm saying to you, when the Holy Spirit leads you, listen to what the, what the Bible says. Howbeit when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He'll guide you in all truth. Amen. All truth. I, listen, you, uh, you can put this down, and you ought to remember this. There's always, now listen to me, there's always only one correct interpretation of Scripture. Now that's the truth, beloved. You listen to me. There's always, fellow said, well, somebody has, interprets one way and somebody interprets another way. No, no. The Holy Spirit interprets the Word of God. And God's not going to lead this row of pews over here in one direction and lead these over here in another direction. No, there's going to be unity in the Spirit of God. Amen. And uh, there may be some applications. You may make many applications of the Scripture, but there's only one correct interpretation of a portion of Scripture in the Word of God. All right, now let's move along. He'll guide you into the Word of God. He'll guide you in the truth of the will of God for your life. You want to know what God's will is? The Spirit of God will let you know. He's the one that will guide you to worship God. Listen, friend. You don't come to church and serve God here. You don't serve God. Some, a lot of people say, well, I serve God. I go to church. No, you don't serve God by coming to church. You serve God outside these four walls. You serve God when you leave this place right here. That's a mission for you. We come here to worship God. We come here to praise God. We come here to study the Word and learn more so that we can go out and serve God better out there. So I'm saying that uh, the Holy Spirit guides you into relationship with the Lord Jesus. I mean, I have a sweet relationship with the Lord, I believe, tonight because of the Holy Ghost. He directs all praise, all honor, all glory, unto the Lord Jesus Christ. I was in Grace Bookstore tonight. By the way, we've got some cards down here tonight for folk. If you want to send them out for those that are sick and uh, shut-ins, those that uh, have been missing some, we got some. I went out and picked them up. There was a man in there today that was getting uh, a book on prayer. 
and he was real excited. Uh, the man's name was, he was some oriental fellow, Chow Lu, somebody, I don't know. But he said, he's great. He's great. He said, have you ever heard of him? I said, I don't know, let me see it. And I turned it over, and I just started reading. He's with a full gospel. And I handed it back to him. I said, no, sir. I said, I can see right there. He's a charismatic, and I'm not a charismatic. He said, well, he's got a large congregation. I said, that not make any difference. He said, he's got over 750,000 in his congregation. I said, and then I saw on the front it had a home cell group meeting. This is another attempt to bypass the local church. This is another attempt to say, well, we're all one big happy family, and if I want to worship God in my living room, I can have church there. No, you might, you might worship God in your living room, but you're not having church. You're not sending out missionaries. Who's your pastor over there? Do you have any deacons? Huh? I mean, listen, what, what are you doing when you meet in your living room? I'm saying to you, that's a misinterpretation uh, of the Word of God, and the Holy Ghost never leads anybody in that direction. There's a whole lot going on, on television especially, that has nothing to do with God Almighty. Now, I mean that, and I don't need to get off on that too much tonight. I get ill every time I get on it, but I, I'm just saying to you, listen, if you ever get into a service and you ever listening to a service and you hear more about the Spirit of God than you do about the Son of God, there's something wrong in that service. Now, you understand. I understand sometimes you may go to a service and the pastor is preaching a message on the Spirit of God. Now, you understand what I'm saying. But, even in that message there, when it comes down to the close of it, the Spirit of God directs all praise and all glory. He said that. He said when He has come, He will glorify Himself. <laughs> He'll glorify me. He'll glorify me, the Son. All praise, all glory, all honor is directed to the Son of God. And when you see somebody that dwells more on the Spirit, there's something wrong there. And then, of course, the Holy Spirit sets you free. Set you free, friend. The Bible says, Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Now, most people, they don't know anything about liberty. You know, most people, and I'm talking about people inside the church, they're bound up with materialism. That's right. There were, Brother Batchelor was over my house the other night, looking at my television. He said, Preacher, you got a good-looking television. We was looking at Atlanta Braves play ball. He said, you know, I can see the color of their eyes on your set. I said, Preacher, you better watch out. You're going to be covetous there in a minute. You're going to be wanting what I have. He said, I believe I'll get me one. He's sitting in my chair. That's right, sitting in my chair. I mean, lean back in my big lazy boy chair. And he said, i got to have one of these. I just got to have one. And you know what? I, his birthday was yesterday. They went out and bought him one, just like Brother Bill's. I mean, he called me yesterday just so happy. I'm going to preach this message to him. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding you tonight. But most people are wrapped up in material things, and then uh, they're bound up in that, bound up in pleasure. I won't tell you when hard time comes. When vacation time comes and you have to cut somewhere, you know where people cut? Most people cut when the Lord's work. 
That's right. They say, well, I, I've been giving pretty good. I believe I'll cut back a little bit on that. No, listen. When the Spirit has come, He'll deliver you. He'll set you free. And then, just let me summarize with this. The rod, now, I don't know whether you have this in your outline or not. You might want to make a, a note of it. The rod is mainly for the enemies of the sheep and for discipline and restoration. That's what the rod is for. The rod is for the enemies of the sheep and for the discipline and restoration of the sheep or the, the discipline. And then the staff is for restraint and restoration of the sheep. These two instruments are referred to as beauty and bands. And uh, turn with me over to Zechariah right quick. We'll be through here in about, about a minute. If I can find Zechariah, it was still in my Bible the last time I looked. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah. There it is. All right. And Zechariah chapter number 11. If I can find this, what I was reading today. Uh... Let's begin in verse number four. Thus saith the Lord my God, Feed the flock of the slaughter, whose possesses slay them, and hold themselves not guilty. And they that sell them say, Blessed be the Lord, for I am rich, and their own shepherds pity them not. For I will no more pity the inhabitants of the land, saith the Lord, but lo, I will deliver the men, every one into his neighbor's hand, and unto the hand of his king, and they shall smite the land, and out of their hand I will deliver them. And I will feed the flock of the slaughter, even you, O poor of the flock. And I will, uh, and I took unto me two staves, the one I called beauty, and the other I called bands, and I fed the flock. Now, uh, beauty, of course, means graciousness, and it refers to the rod of God. Now, look up here just a minute. The Bible says that grace came by the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that right? Now, I want you to know that I was a part of the flock of slaughter. I was of no good and I was no value to the Lord whatsoever. I was scheduled to die, friend, and so were you. But God, who is gracious and tender and kind and merciful, reached down and saved my soul. I thank God for that. And he became my shepherd tonight. And he satisfies every need that I have in this life. Thank God, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Father, thank you for the message tonight from your word. We pray that as we study, we'll learn more about shepherd and about sheep and Lord Jesus, the tender care of the shepherd for his sheep, in whose name we pray, amen and amen.